Hello, spiritual seekers, and welcome to another episode of Think Spiritual Podcasts. Hello, once again, I am your host, Mark, as usual, and today I have a very special guest that has contacted me on Twitter and said he'd like to be on the podcast and talk about some of his favorite subjects, which happen to be a lot of my favorite subjects as well. I am here today talking with Andrew Jasko. Hello, good to be here. I really appreciate that you uh, that you contacted me and that, uh, yeah, I took a quick look at your website and we've had a little bit of email back and forth and we just thought, okay, well, let's give this a shot and see what see where the see where the topics go for today my original thought was that this would be a uh, personal spiritual journeys episode where i would ask andrew my typical list of questions and he took a look at the first question on on what i when i ask uh, what does spirituality mean to you and he just says can we just dive deep on that subject <laughs> <laughs> and I was quite agreeable to that. So I think that's what this episode will be mostly is what is spirituality. But before we do the deep dive, Andrew, let's uh, let's uh, get to know you a little bit. And what do you, I, one thing I'd like to ask most of my guests is what do you like to do when you're not working or say not talking about spirituality? You know, I think that might be the hardest question I have to answer tonight, <laughs> besides what is spirituality. But uh, I would say, I mean, I like to write a lot, which is what I talk about, but I really, really enjoy writing. For me, it's a form of artwork. And yeah. um, some hobby I've I've taken up recently is mushroom foraging. Have you ever done that? Oh, uh, no, I, I haven't. But actually, my uh, uh, my my son, he, uh, he does... Uh, he does a lot of that wild crafting, actually. It's really, really fun. I, I live out in California in the San Francisco Bay Area, but, I mean, there's just so many mushrooms out here. And it's it's kind of like hunting for treasure, except it's better because you can actually eat the treasure when you yeah. got it. You, know, you don't just <laughs> store it away. So it's, it's a lot of fun. That's one thing that I, I like know. to do when I'm not studying and talking and writing and all the other stuff. I've had a few of those wild morels that are just really something. You just just fry them up in a pan with some some sort of sauce or something, and they're just fabulous. Yeah, there's a whole world of culinary delights out there in mushrooms. I recommend it. For sure. Andrew, how did you... Uh, you're obviously very interested in spirituality, and you're... You are currently, uh, you're going for your, is, is it a bachelor or a master's in psychology? It's a doctorate. I'm a, doctorate. a clinical okay. psychologist in training right now. Okay. And, but you, you're taking a very spiritual edge to that. Yeah, which is interesting because it's not really that intentional. I mean, I'll put it this way. At first I was really into spirituality. Then I was completely turned off by it and shut down. And then it just kind of happened to me, and now I'm like, oh, I guess I'm doing this thing. <laughs> so uh, tell us a bit about your background then and, and how you got on this path. So I have a pretty interesting background, and 
uh, first of all, I'm a religious trauma recovery coach. So right now I coach clients and help them, people recover from the trauma of religion, uh, people who are questioning their religion or who have left it and who are dealing with issues like PTSD, anxiety, fear of hell, losing their community, rebuilding their identity. And that comes out of my personal experience. I was I, born. I can relate to all that as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge issue, right? It's yeah. absolutely huge. Religious fundamentalism is one of the most common ideologies in the world today. It's rampant. One third of the United States is evangelical Christian, which is a, a form of religious fundamentalism. It's very, very extreme, just as extreme as any cult out there. It's just yes. not yeah. recognized as such because it's culturally accepted. It's accepted, uh, anyway. Right. Yeah, so I grew up in a very religious household. My father is a minister. He started a Pentecostal Assemblies of God uh, Christian Evangelical Church right when I was born. I was brought straight from the hospital to the church altar to be dedicated to a life of service to God. And wow. I took that call very seriously. Uh, I received a prophecy before I was born that I was going to be a great man of God and lead many people to Jesus. So my whole life was church and Christianity. Uh, it was all about my relationship with God and saving souls, saving the world from hell. So I went to Wheaton College, studied for ministry, and became a minister for a little bit. Then I went to Princeton Theological Seminary, got a Master of Divinity degree, learned Biblical Greek and Biblical Hebrew because I wanted to teach and train leaders in India to convert their Hindu and Muslim families to Jesus in order to bring about Jesus' second coming. So I was right about to go to India to become a missionary. And then I had this rude awakening. I was at the same time as I was this radically devoted, passionate Christian, I was really suffering on the inside. I was miserable, especially with anxiety. I was tormented by fear of God's judgment, fear of hell, uh, with having to police my thoughts constantly to search my heart for sin. Uh, just a total <laughs> thought sounds, control. Sounds very familiar. Yeah. 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 And this is commanded in the Bible, this level of mind control. It's very severe, total repression of sexuality. So I was just miserable and I sought counseling. I just said, I need to get rid of fear. I, I was desperate to be healthy. It had nothing to do with my religion in my mind. But I slowly began to wake up to the fact that a lot of my distress came from teachings in the Bible. They weren't teachings of people. They weren't misinterpretations or, or traditions. They were directly from the Bible. So I had this slow, painful process of rude awakening. I began to see the psychological damage that my religious system had done to me. And I had this coming out process. Eventually, I just quit my job as a minister and left everything, isolated from my community, ended up moving to California from New York City, from the East Coast. Oh, you, and oh, you starting went coast over, to coast. dropping everything. <laughs> yeah, I just I just felt like I needed to get some distance and and just reset. And it was a total life crisis, total identity crisis. It was a really, really challenging time. It was like dying and being reborn. That's that's how it felt to me. But oh yeah, that's, I found that's healing. definitely what it would be. Yeah. It, I mean, and it really is in a way because fundamentalist religions in particular literally take over a person's identity. They break down the identity through shame and fear. 
and, and through the teaching of sin, telling people that they're evil, that they're bad, they can't trust in their thinking and their spiritual capacities and their intuition, that they have to surrender their souls to, to a deity, to the religious system, uh, to be possessed by Jesus and the Holy Spirit and taken over. So your, your sense of self is completely co-opted and taken over by yes. this system, and you lose everything because your whole life has to be submitted to that system. So it's a really, really traumatic and difficult and painful thing for people to go through. And it makes sense why people would stay in systems like that. But anyway, I left that and went straight into uh, atheism, uh, secular humanism. <laughs> very and, common, and part yep. of that is, very, this is a almost a textbook process. And I'm, I work yeah. with people who go through this process. I mean, there really are these stages to it that we could map out. But can, can we go, can we go back to one thing you said there about that sense of self there? Because, uh -huh. because you're kind of told in, uh, especially in evangelical circles, you're, you're, you're told to give that self up for God, right? Yes. And right. what, one thing that I've noticed, and as I've come along my own journey and I always, my, my major focus is, is the hero's journey. And mm -hmm. so one thing I've noticed is like, how can you give up yourself when you haven't even developed yourself yet? That's right. And what this is, is spiritual slavery. And it yes. spells this yeah. out in the Bible. It says you are slaves of God. You are bought with a price. You are not your own. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you, you're literally possessed by a foreign entity who polices your thoughts and punishes you. I mean, this is the worst spirit possession I've ever encountered. Uh, the, the, what it, it spells it out in plain language. It's That's just, an interesting way of putting it. We're just told that it's good, but it, it literally is spirit possession. This, yeah. this possession yeah. of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and it, it calls it slavery. It's something else other than yourself. So again, yeah. So, so it's that complete uh, takeover of whatever would be yourself. Yes, and and this isn't only in religion. I mean, all kinds of systems and ideologies and yeah. political ideologies or you know corporatism, all kinds of things like that try to put people essentially in a form of spiritual slavery in order to achieve their own ends. So this is something that I've seen really all over the place since I left religion too. But anyway, I went into secular humanism and the atheist community. And part of the reason for that is because they are the ones who are bold enough to call out the abuses of religion. And this is something yep. that uh, I wish that spiritual communities would do more of. There's a tendency, I'm a part of a lot of spiritual communities, although I don't necessarily identify with any one of them. And yep. a lot of people want to dress up religion like it's a mostly a good thing or that it promotes spirituality and that it helps people find their path. Uh, but I find that it there's a tendency for a lot of religious systems to suppress spirituality and to make it difficult. And so the atheists were the ones who called out the abuses and offered me help in transitioning out of it. Yes. And so I really value that. I really benefit from it. And I identify with it in a lot of ways still. So many, I, I went into that, but I thought that all these kinds of experiences were just dangerous delusions and that I needed to avoid them at all costs because I might get caught in more of this religion. And I was just really triggered and annoyed by all the California so-called new age hippie, you know, all those words, there's people yeah. living all around me doing their crystals and meditation and ohm chanting and all that stuff. I was just like, this is more religion. It's just, you guys don't understand. But 
uh, I I started finding a lot of healing through psychedelics, through entheogens, and really having all kinds of these transcendent, mystical, spiritual type experiences, which I don't think are contrary to science or even atheism in any way, but it really opened me up to a whole new way of being and experiencing and viewing the world, uh, which I'm really into now. I'm studying for my doctorate in clinical psychology and uh, emphasizing transpersonal psychology, which is a a, a discipline of psychology that arose out of the psychedelic movement. And it integrates spirituality, especially uh, like yogic spirituality, uh, Buddhism and indigenous spirituality, shamanism with Western psychology and and seeks to take this kind of holistic approach. And that's where I'm at right now. Wow. There was a word you used just a minute ago. Uh, You called something theogens? Oh, entheogens. I'm not familiar with that term. So that's another word that's being used for psychedelics. It means means experiencing God within. Okay. And so it frames psychedelics in a sacred sense as a sacrament, as, as something that's to be treated with reverence because the term psychedelic for many is associated with a drug culture. And traditionally throughout the world, throughout human history, I these see. Okay. medicines have been used to help people connect with spirituality and, and heal. They're not like, like addictive drugs. They actually tend to be the opposite. So that's the word entheogen. It's interesting. Well, just that you use the words uh, a sacrament there. Even it just it, it just it, it sort of brought me back. Just made me think of uh, communion. How do you feel about Christianity now? Or have you made any kind of shall we say peace with it, where you can just kind of accept any parts of it, or is it is, is there anything there for you that's is or is it just something you want to avoid for now? This is a great question, and here's the thing. I think that religion does a lot of really great things and religious people do a lot of great things. They're often some of the most amazing, genuine, sincere people I've ever met. When you get the real genuine ones. Yeah. Yeah. A a lot of the time. But, but the thing about religion is it's based on fundamental distortions about reality and especially Christianity. I I don't want to speak for all religions, especially Christianity and then fundamentalist versions of it even more so are are often based on principles that in my mind are the very opposite of spirituality, like literally the polar opposite of spirituality. So for instance, the idea, the idea of God is something that is outside you. Uh, This judge who's really an authoritarian narcissist, he's not humble at all. He's obsessed with getting worshiped. Uh, and there's a division between his realm of the supernatural and the the material, and he judges the world and and abolishes death. So there are all these things that are, in my mind, the exact opposite, almost the shadow side, almost like the dark side of spirituality. Uh, I would so, say that's a good the, the shadow side. Yes, the it, it is the shadow side of uh, of spirituality. I would say for certain because it's it's this. Uh, it's just, it's not real, right? It's not real spirituality. It's, it's this, it's this idol we've put up on the shelf kind of thing. And we say, this is my spirituality. But like you said, we're looking to something outside of ourselves instead of looking inward and doing the real work inside. Yeah. And it's, and the, the thing is, it's based on dogma 
And dogma is faith in the authority of something outside of you. So it's really submission to authoritarianism. The idea of religious faith is submission and surrender to someone else's authority. It's saying this teaching is true because it's been revealed and you have to accept it. And uh, you can't really question that. And so you're giving up your sovereignty and your agency to and surrendering it to the power of someone else, whether it be God, church, your spiritual mentor, your guru, whoever it is that's asking yeah. you to do this. And that's a violation of, it's a dehumanization, really. And spirituality is the opposite of dogma. Dogma divides and spirituality uh, unites us. And it, it, base, it, do, it respects your individuality and your individual experience and brings that into connection and cohesion with the experiences of others. So uh, back to the back to the original question. Yeah, I, I mean, religion does a lot of great things. And I don't condemn every aspect of it, but I think that uh, specifically with certain forms of Christianity, I mean, there's there's no I see no need to redeem or preserve it. Kind of like some ancient Roman religions, you know, they've just their time has passed. We don't oh, I see. look at those I and see. say, oh, yeah. we need to. You know, we need to revive the worship of Zeus. We need it. There's good things in that religious tradition. I mean, it's a thing of the past. And I think that's the direction that Christianity is going. And I, I think a lot of people want to preserve and maintain it because it means a lot to them and their identity. And it's hard to give it up. But there's just fundamental problems to the its idea of God, its idea of judgment and sin. Like the 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 ideology is flawed in really, really troubling ways at the core. And I don't think that's true of certain other uh, belief systems in the same way. Like, for instance, Buddhism and Hinduism have a lot of amazingly rational, even empirical observations about consciousness that even the the most diehard atheists can really appreciate. Right. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, I, th- I think the face of, of Christianity, it... It, it it needs to change to sort of uh, allow, say, current generations to kind of like wean themselves onto new things. Evangelicalism, especially, it's I mean, there, there's a lot of people doing some good work out there. There's guys like Rob Bell who are really trying to change what uh, the evangelical church kind of stands for and what it's what it tries to do things like that but but overall yeah i don't i don't know if christianity will ever shall we say die out entirely or anything like that but but anyway the main question the main thing we want to explore today is really what is spirituality overall and i think i I think we all have well i as i've uh had on each of my guests that I've had on for the personal spiritual journeys part of this podcast, they all have a different definition of what spirituality is. So off the cuff, I could say that spirituality is obviously different for everybody, but let's get your definition of that, Andrew. Yeah. So I think maybe we, we have that question, what is spirituality? Maybe we can just end the interview right there. Cause that's kind of, (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of the <laughs> the whole point of it is this this open inquiry into reality but at least there's there's a couple things i think we can say about it for sure so i understand spirituality as connecting to the deeper aspects of my nature and in relationship with 
the nature of reality. So who I am, kind of the the essence, there's a, th- a thing about spirituality, which is like my essential self, my essential nature, and the essence of reality itself, and and connection as well. I really see it in terms of of connection, and what I what I mean by connection is there has to be an ex- there's a core experiential component of spirituality. So I'm connecting in a a body, mind, soul, spirit, holistic way through my experience into who I am all of who I am and the totality of the nature of reality in a relational kind of manner. And I mean, you really can't do spirituality from an abstract philosophical intellectual uh, stance alone. It's, it's fundamentally an invitation to experience. Spirituality is an invitation to experience it for yourself. Mm. And that's part of what's so difficult about describing it is, is it's so much bigger than our capacity to understand it. You know, so maybe the best we can do is is ask that question and grope around at aspects of it, uh, because we're attempting to describe the indescribable. That's very true, and like I said, it's different for everybody. Everybody kind of has to have their own experience, and it's almost—I I mean, it's very very common that a lot of people don't do that sort of soul diving or have those spiritual experiences until they have sometimes until they have some sort of trauma or they have some sort of shift in their worldview. And all of a sudden the lights come on and they're just like, what, what is that? What, what, what's happening? I don't understand what's, and that's where, uh, I, I think that's where people who have gone through difficult times and difficult changes like yourself, that's where you can then come in and be of help to them, I guess. That's right. And some people referred to that as a spiritual emergency ah. or a spiritual <laughs> or a spiritual awakening. We have plenty mm-hmm. of lingo we could use here. Yeah, awakening or, is a common one. Yeah, or psychological crisis, something that confronts you with s- some of the deeper aspects of of reality, existential yes. questions, what is the meaning of life? Why is there suffering? What's up with good and evil, or at least my experience of things is that, and how do I deal with death? All these kinds of questions cause us to go beyond just the surface, beyond the veil of, of just the presentation and, and connect with these more core things. And I'm, I'm even having trouble using these terms. I I feel like every time I I say something, I have to say, I'm not saying this uh, because (laughs) spirituality isn't just this transcendent thing. I mean, it's, it's found just as much in the mundane as it is in in this kind of, you know, going deep into Nirvana meditative states and all of that stuff. Right. I mean, a lot of monks love to wash the dishes and, and do the laundry and, and actually prescribe these as spiritual practices. And that's because the part of the point of spirituality is that there's no division in nature all of reality is a unity. It's fundamentally one thing. There's a connectivity, connectedness to everything. And part of spirituality is learning how to integrate and to see, to connect the dots between the different parts of your reality so you can be more whole and more grounded in reality. So a lot of people 
when people get into the spirituality that it's almost like, like you're way off the deep end, buddy, you know, you're out there hanging out with aliens all the time and doing your thing and like not paying your bills. You know, that's not really spirituality in my mind uh, because it's losing touch with reality. And right. spirituality yeah. is all about reality. If it's about anything, it's about tuning into reality and understanding things as they are. Uh, that's where the wisdom element comes in is accepting reality as it is not as we want it to be not as somebody taught us in religion but what is what is actually true what's real and then harmonizing with that how can i get behind the way things are and the idea is is that the more i come into alignment with my nature and with how i fit into the rest of nature the easier Life is going to be, there's going to be a flow. There's going to be a gentleness and a joy. And even within the suffering, it's not going to be as hard as, as agonizing. And, and there's going to be a richness that we can experience a really, really, really connecting and enjoying and savoring life and making the most of it. I think that's part of the enterprise of spirituality. Wow, that was a that was an amazing sum up. I just listening to the, just the tone of your voice, even Andrew, just sort of like I, I can kind of hear your your passion for this subject overall, and I just uh, I, I can imagine how uh, how somebody would feel just sort of coming into this coming into the spiritual life kind of for the first time, and if they're seeking your help, kind of thing. I can just imagine. Uh, I don't know for some reason. I I, I really think that you you you're you're onto something there where you can kind of talk somebody into helping them you know delve these spiritual paths and also uh, bringing the balance then to their physical lives as well like you said like if it is about reality and about and about getting that balance together and and about having the best of both worlds sort of thing not just not just being all tied up in the physical or all tied up in the spiritual Thank you. And I mean, I'm trying really hard to get it myself. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. No, we all are. And we all are. <laughs> yeah. But so the thing about spirituality is it there's a transcendent element where it, it reaches beyond. And there's part of spirituality is having these experiences of maybe things like time collapsing. Exper people will refer to this state of consciousness as experiencing the t eternal now or just feeling a sense of oneness and the unity of all things. But yeah. then there's also really this aspect of being in your body, being fully present in the moment and whatever is happening and being embodied and fully in this, what people would call, I, in air quotes, the material world. I don't really yes. think there's a separate thing, but just for the sake yeah. of, of words. So yes. uh, spirituality is transcendent. But it's also imminent and it's within and it unfolds and goes around everything. Uh, there's, there's nothing that isn't can't ultimately be seen in a spiritual way or experienced in a spiritual way. I really believe that almost any kind of experience can be used as a jumping point to uh, a spiritual perspective. But along with this, I want to say too that I guess before I dive too deep, that spirituality is a really loaded term for the people I work with. And I probably already turned off half of my atheist audience by this point. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but, but this is my passion too, is that, is that 
a lot of times the, the spiritual and scientific and atheist communities like look at each other as enemies and needlessly isolate each other. And there, yes. there are yeah. often differences, and I don't want to minimize them. I don't want to say that we're all seeing the same thing by any means. But there are a lot of ways in which they're the same, and we can really benefit from dialoguing with each other and learning from each other. So, I mean, you, I can understand why atheists or former religious people might be turned off by the term spirit, right? Because yes, it yeah. often implies this separate supernatural realm that's outside the reach of science. And, you know, that kind of dualism resulted in so many problems in our world yes. that really science helped us to overcome all kinds of delusion that were uh, propagating disease, genocide, violence, hostility, uh, that were were keeping us from from advancing forward. So there there are a lot of problems we can get into with that. But so when I use the term spiritual, I'm referring to these things that we're trying to describe. I'm not positing a separate spiritual and material realm. I actually think those categories are somewhat dated and based on a dualism that often came out of religion, the separating God from body and humanity, spirit from material, really, even if there are these different dimensions of reality that we experience, you know, there, it's all, it's all reality. It's all one thing. So I don't believe that anything is beyond the reach of science because that would be saying it isn't real for me. Like that would be like, that would just be saying it doesn't exist at all because everything is rational in some sense. Like even yeah. these realms of consciousness or these transpersonal experiences or stuff like angels, like let's just say that there's some reality to that that's outside of our imagination, right? That some of these things objectively exist. Okay, if they do exist, I believe that they're, you know, maybe eventually we'll have the tools to measure them. Maybe math does describe them and that all makes sense to me. Because there's no no division in the way reality works. It's all part and parcel of nature. It's right. all the same yeah. thing. And for me, I can't understand spirituality without uh, uh, explaining nature. I really think it's all about nature, ultimately. I, I, yeah, I would agree with that for sure. That was, that's something that's been in my mind lately a fair bit. And I agree with you about the word spiritual. As as I said to you in, a, in an email there, that's part of the reason why I called my podcast Think Spiritual. I want people to think spiritually or think about spirit. Think about what is spiritual. It's not, it's not about religion and it's not about uh about dogma or, or anything like that it's and as i said to you it's like i would like to redeem this word i'd like to take it back from the the religions and from the dogmas and from the shall we say the more woo woo side of shall we say the new age or something to that extent yeah and a lot of atheists are trying to do this are trying to redeem the words and that's a good that's and... a good idea yeah yeah, it, it, it is a great idea. Uh, I, I mean, but I also understand why some people don't want to use it. Yeah. But just to say yeah. I'm using it in this way where I'm not implying that you have to go and accept that there's a whole bunch of deities and entities out there and, and you know, jump into that end of the pool. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm trying to hold to respect both positions without really taking a side here. 
But maybe one other word that we can use and that's being used a lot for spirituality is consciousness. And I think this is helpful. And even maybe a word that we can use if we're dialoguing with, say, atheists and we want to bring up these subjects and we can talk about consciousness or also nature. Um, Because spirituality is about about this awareness of reality. Yes. It's about bringing things into conscious experience having these experiences. I, I think just to interrupt you there for a second, I, it, it would, wouldn't that be like what a lot of people, what the term mindfulness, where the, where the people who are into mindfulness or into that movement sort of, they would probably probably agree with you about that consciousness thing, wouldn't you say? I think so. Yeah, I think mindfulness is, is getting at spirituality and and bringing spirituality and awareness into all of life into that everyday existence like you said yeah right exactly with spirituality i think it's essential to understand it in terms of nature and yes you'll hear a lot of people say i feel spiritual when i'm in nature okay right like when i'm hanging out in the woods or watching a sunset and this includes religious people. They'll they'll start feeling all divine and and wanting to worship, and then they just start <laughs> yeah. attributing it all to God, right? But there's this mm-hmm. seems to be the shared experience of experiencing spirituality when we're being in nature. So why is that? And I think it's because we are nature. Like nature is what we are. We're not separate from it. And well, we're, we're made part up. of what's <laughs> we're made up yeah, from part the of earth. what's. Exactly. And we're part of this massive ecosystem that really is everything. Everything is part of nature. And part of the part of the reason why we're often so isolated from spirituality in our current society is because our cosmology separates us from nature. It views us as uh, often Other. against it in opposition to it. Like we're fighting against it right. in a battle against death and eventually we lose, right? And even yeah. we're destroying nature uh, currently with the way that society is structured, right? Yes. Yeah, we, we have this ongoing war. We th- we think it's, I mean, we, we often talk about that, like sick, go back to English class and they talk about how the story, man against nature, right? <laughs> right, right, exactly. And so this is part of where the disconnect and the suffering that's going on in our world today is happening, why people have trouble uh, accessing sp- spiritualities because we've cut ourselves off from nature the universe itself and also from our own nature in doing so and losing this understanding so we are nature it's what we are we came out of the universe and we're a part of it we're not separate from it we're not some milestone epitome of evolution that's, that's somehow stepped outside of this thing the whole universe is a massive ecosystem and I mean, I think really we can understand everything as alive, like the the whole universe, including galaxies and stars, yep. functions like an ecosystem. I mean, galaxies have a way of reproducing, yep. uh, and just there's this life and death cycle and everything. It's all tightly integrated. I mean, even at an atomic level, I'm connected to everything. Like a small change in my atomic na- nature and makeup will impact you in, in some kind of a way like there's there's a science the, 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 to the this ripple effect of everything yeah it's it's a real 
thing. So everything is alive and there's a sense of oneness in everything. And so the realization of the connectivity and life of everything, that really everything is one thing and we're part of this higher harmony, I think that realization of nature and our place within it brings a sort of awareness and a consciousness to life that we lack without it, and a consciousness of, of unity and the aliveness of everything. And without that, we it's easy to view ourselves as alone and isolated and fending for ourselves in a hostile universe against mm. other people, against yeah. our own nature, and and really against the whole universe when we're not when we're not alone really overall is what you're saying right so part of the thing again spirituality is about experiences so i've had many yes. many experiences during uh, say psychedelic journeys or or through different means where i've really experienced this connection to nature uh, just really through a felt indescribable experience, like this whole body awareness, like, wow, I'm connected and a part of everything. And some people will call this type of experience God consciousness, this sense of being part of this hive of this massive organism that is all of reality. And, you know, people might accuse me at this point of getting into new age, but I'm not actually saying that like <laughs> that is, I'm saying this is the feeling and experience of it. Right. Yes. And whether you take this in, in a literal way or not, I think it, it has implications coming out of that experience of how I view the world. Like I can apply that subjective experience and say, look at the universe. It really is connected. We really are part of an ecosystem. And the way that I conduct my life really does affect other animals and other people. But when I experience my connection to the rest of nature and even like a union emerging in these, these non-ordinary states of consciousness with say the plant animal and mineral kingdom, other forms of life, it's hard for me. It's harder for me to harm other people or to harm nature when I realize it's a part of me. And so this is why the realization of our natureness, of of our part in the ecological system, is so essential. Uh, because you know I don't see many people walking around hitting their own feet with a hammer. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's like yeah. when I realize that you know I'm that that you are a part of me in a very real sense, an experiential and intellectual sense. Like it's much harder for me to hurt you because I really am hurting myself when I do that. Yes. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So we, we can take here, I think, certain principles that we see, good principles in, in religions and ideologies, and understand them in a spiritual and deeper sense. So Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Yes. Which I think that's a great idea. I love that command of Jesus. Yeah. It's a great teaching. But I would say my spiritual experience has taught me to love my neighbor as myself because my neighbor is myself. As if they were yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I see. And because yeah. they actually are in, yeah. in this kind of experiencing way. Uh, so my love is actually motivated by a sense of connection and oneness and union where my experience is no longer separate from the experience of another because it's all 
part and parcel of the same thing at a higher level. And so this is what I'm getting at, at spirituality. It's the sense of connection and relatedness and higher understanding of things that allows us to transform the way we relate to people, the natural world, and morality. And it's really very, very powerful stuff. So how do we get to that point, Andrew, where, where we understand that we are one with everything? Is I mean, there isn't just one path, obviously, to that realization, but, but, but is there a starting point? I think, yeah, that's the thing about spirituality is you can't <laughs> exactly. nail it down. You know, it's as soon really as you start to, to try hole, to yeah. define it, as soon yeah. as you start to try to define spirituality and limit it, you get into yeah. dogma, which is religion. You get into that's this right. preachy way of saying this is the way it is and you lose your openness. And once you lose your openness, you can't learn and you shut yourself off to spiritual experiencing. That's a good point, actually. And so is, is there, have you run into that where, uh, people you work with or anything like that, like they ask you what your method is or something like that, because they're so used to following a dogma. Totally. Uh, people are looking for this all the time and they're looking for it. I mean, in psychology too, and in therapy, just yeah, like, you know, yeah. okay, tell me what the solution is X, Y, and Z. Give me a game plan and let's yeah. solve it. Give me the formula. It's like, Sorry. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. I wish it was that easy. No. Uh, yeah. But, but, but that, as soon as we do that, then we are, we're right back into the dogma and the fundamentalism that we came out of. <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and we want to go there because it's a safe place to be. It's familiar. It's familiar. It's yeah, it's familiar yeah. and it's safe for us because mm -hmm. it feels unsafe when we're not in control. Right. When we, you know, that's when we can't a, that's tame a, that's the universe. Word. Yeah. When we can't a... tame the universe with our understanding. Uh, yes. But but the problem is is that's an illusion. When we think we're in control, we're really not anyway. No. So we might as well give up the illusion. Yes, very true. Yeah, that that control thing. That's always we we keep hearing that that it's like the that you don't have that much control and things. But it's like it's it is really true. Actually, we we have to learn to let go of wanting to control everything. And when you come out of religion, that's really hard because you've been taught all your life that it's like that you're supposed to control yourself and everything and that and that God is everything in control. And it, and then you realize, well, wait a minute, I'm I'm responsible for my own spirituality. It's like, yeah, you are. Yeah. And, and there's, a, there's a world of paradox. And I mean, there's out there, and spirituality part of it is kind of chaotic and that's yep. part of the way the universe there is this order and chaos and we're trying to that's, balance that's all why these... the, that's why the yin and yang is true right <laughs> like this that that symbol of the yin and yang it works for everything it does so i think part of spirituality is is being able to understand these different positions and and cling to them lightly not get caught up in any of them so it really helps to have this transcendent perspective the being able to see through the perspective of of non-duality and uh oneness uh, understanding you, you know duality these dualities of good and evil right and wrong and uh, uh light and dark all these things ultimately break down when you get to a higher level of perspective and they're all part of the same thing but then they're the, the, the the contrasts are also real, right? This so-called material realm that we live and breathe in, this real and it's just as experience, uh, as spiritual. 
so it, it's not an either or thing. It's being able to live in that zone of tension and, and kind yeah. of weave in and out. Absolutely. Of it, I think is where is really where the, the power is. But so uh, experiencing spirituality is, I mean, there are a lot of tried and true methods to experience it. Like, don't get me wrong. Don't, don't give up on the thing and just go, Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> See that I think that part of it is, is having that desire. And, but, but the point when we say it's individual is that the sky's the limit, you know, everyone right. has a unique makeup and there are things that work for you that might not really work for me or might not really appeal to me. Yeah. There's so, seven, there's 7 billion of us on the planet. So it's like, how can one thing work for everybody? Right. <laughs> Right. And exactly. And part of what I've said is, is too, that really almost anything can be used as a jumping point to spiritual experiencing. Uh, but, but part of it is, is really bringing this conscious, mindful awareness to it and, and, and using it to drop into these deeper realms. But so I think as far as experiencing spirituality, honestly, meditation is essential. Mm. Uh, and it's not, it's not that it's impossible without it, but I think it's yeah. really difficult and it's really difficult to get outside of the haze of confusion that is our is our mental landscape, <laughs> and <laughs> you know without meditation, um, and so meditation is one component of it that I think is really really important. Uh, I think another is having some way to have these non ordinary states of consciousness that I've mentioned. One method of that is psychedelics. Another is through uh, kind of hypnosis or the shamanic type states, oh, okay, using yeah. chanting or drums or things like yeah. that. Uh, other people have other means of tapping into that. Uh, uh, sex, sex can be a means of having these kinds of states of consciousness. Breathing right. techniques as well. There's yeah. something called holotropic breath work. That is a way of breathing that induces these states of consciousness. So the point of psychedelics is... They're drugs, but they're also not in, in a way because what we've been able to see is that they kind of turn these switches in the brain that open up these ways of experiencing consciousness that are actually natural to us. So you don't need psychedelics to activate those. It's like the right. psychedelic does this thing and there's a drug aspect, but you can get there the same way through other methods. So it's it's not just a psychedelic experience. It's a part of the human experience. It's actually part of our human nature to have these other experiences of consciousness. And what to, these to be in that higher level of of consciousness and existence. Yeah, to be in that that different wavelength. And what this does is it disrupts our normal routine way of of experiencing reality and gives us a totally different perspective and puts us in touch with other parts of ourself and perhaps in touch with uh, the rest of the world in a real way. Some people think it's all in your brain. Uh, I'm starting to think that there's a real connectivity and interaction that happens. Uh, but either way, it breaks us out of that thought cycle and, and helps us to have to really peer into these things in a deeper and different way. So I think that, that having... These are also called mystical experiences, and it's been right. referred to as yep. mysticism. And I'm not really sure that that's helpful necessarily because it's like, well, what <laughs> no. is a mystical experience? You know, like, what does that yeah. even mean? 
Yeah, that 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 can be a that can be a word or a term that's just as scary as spiritual to a lot of people. Yeah, and and, and it also so. it kind of implies too that there's like nothing to it that it's like this fantasy realm in my uh, mind at least. Okay, yeah, you know, like and I think a lot of people have that perception that this stuff is like just like dreams or or visualization. It's really not. It's it's really almost more real in a sense than waking consciousness. It's very real and often very logical and rational and we can kind of peer into this lens of conscious experiencing almost with an empirical scientific mind and start making measurements of these experiences in a way and, and saying what what kinds of experiences do people have in common and what are the implications of this but either way i think that's an important thing and uh, meditation because it allows us to step outside of being driven by our thoughts so our minds are, are like movies or really our waking state is usually like a dream like if you trace the trajectory of your thoughts yeah. it just goes from one topic to another really like a movie or, or a dream it's not that different and we're usually not aware of it and we usually have no control over it so meditation allows us to slow that process down enough where there's breathing room between a thought and we become aware of when those changes happen so we can actually make real choices and apply consciousness to our lives instead of reacting all the time out That's of our a old really good programming yeah, yeah like or that. out of our old wounding or or just reactions most of what we do in life is very unconscious we just we just do things because that's the way we adapted or even that's the way maybe our biology wired us. But, but when we're able to slow this down, create some spaciousness, then we can actually inhabit ourselves and inhabit our lives and our minds and our wills and our bodies uh, more fully and really start to connect and bring this consciousness and spiritual experiencing to the mundane, to this, what you can call material world. Yeah. So I think that's really the power of meditation and meditation can also bring us into touch with these other states of consciousness that we've mentioned. So do you have a specific meditation practice, Andrew? Yeah, I do. And honestly, I'm new at meditation. I'm yeah, really not. I try it every still, now and then, and then I uh, don't do it. And then I, I find I'm actually meditate on my motorcycle. If, if I'm out riding in the summer, I find it, I can get there into a, almost a meditative state there. And I've, and I've there had, I've had that experience, uh, like you talked about the monks, like washing dishes or doing laundry. I've had that experience doing dishes. I actually had one of my biggest spiritual breakthrough while I was washing dishes once. So it was... There you go. So that's the thing about this whole spiritual thing is sometimes it can come at you and smack you in the face in a way. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so anyway, back to your, uh, is there a meditation practice you do right now? I, right now I try to do 15 minutes every morning, like right when I get out of bed. So I okay. don't skip it and just focusing on my breath. Um, I'm going to, I'm definitely intending on doing a weekly group meditation uh, thing. Okay. Uh, just to up my game. And eventually I want to do a 10 day silent meditation retreat, maybe in the summer. Oh, wow. I've heard that's really, really powerful. I've heard of a really few guys that have done that. And yeah, I've, I've heard, I've heard good things about it where they really 
it's like it's that that would be it just it sounds even scary slightly like to go 10 days without like talking like really like holy smokes totally but i i think that's the thing too there's a perception i had about meditation before i ever did it and before i learned the teaching about it and i think it's important for people who are considering meditation to to take a class on it and to actually learn the teaching because mm, you really can't yeah. have one without the other that was really critical for me and I'm less afraid of it now and more really even enjoying it just in its own sake. I mean, these having this experience, these experiences of total quiet uh, and like not being in my mind, uh, just this open space. That's so nice. <laughs> it's really nice. And so I think in a way meditation is tuning into consciousness. It's tuning into this, this spiritual aspect of reality that we are a part of and that is a part of ourselves, this, this higher awareness that can kind of transcend things and that is also within things. Uh, so that's one big thing. So Andrew, one other thing that you mentioned in uh, our emails together was something along the lines of spiritual healing, I believe. That's right. I think healing is one of the most essential parts of the spiritual journey. And in some ways it is the spiritual journey is, is healing. That makes sense to me. It's really, yeah, really in order to experience spirituality, we need to work through our traumas, our past, our, our emotional pain, all the weighty, difficult stuff. And this really should be a relief uh, because most of us are going through life just being bombarded by the painful thoughts. I'm not good enough. I, I can't get the relationship I want. You know, I suck all of this. And we think that like it's going to suck maybe going to a therapist. And, and that's true. It is painful. But imagine the relief of not suffering for a minute, of having a clear mind. And but we can't access spirituality apart from this. Uh, because we're always going to be butting up against some kind of incongruency, some kind of block. And I think part of what spirituality means is having access to ourselves, to our whole selves, being able to really live in integrity and in alignment. And when we have all these blockages inside of us, we won't be able to really be our true selves or, or to to be able to access our critical thinking or we'll see other people in the world through distorted lens of pain and trauma. Cause we're, so, cause we're focused on that pain basically. Yeah. Or, or we, and we can't perceive reality properly and we can't connect with ourselves. There's a disconnect and a disassociation that happens uh, through this pain and wounding. So, but, but also when, what we see is when we work on our healing, there's a, as spirituality unfolds right along with the healing. So as we open up more, we're able to tap in deeper and to become more of ourselves. Self-actualization flows and connection flows because we're not blocked. We're not stuck in this thing that isn't us, uh, these problems. And also we find through spirituality not to define ourselves by our problems because any problem we have isn't about us. It's not our essence. You know, whatever you have, whether it's an addiction or some kind of violent tendency, it may define your whole life, but it's not the fundamental you. 
so when we work through this this healing stuff, uh, it it opens up it opens us up to more experience of life, and that is spirituality. So this healing journey is something to engage in. Just because it never ends doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. Because there's a more and more opening that happens, greater and greater opening to life experiencing, um, and and I think the spiritual path is really all wrapped up in that. And, and But also healing is not something that just to get over. It's not in the way. Like healing actually right. is the journey. It's not about reaching a destination, but there are places that we reach. We do make genuine achievements, but we're not like just trying to get over life so we can get on with it. You know, right. these healing opportunities yeah. are a window into ourselves. And into powerful transformative experiences too. So this is why a lot of people will say things like, you know, I, that trauma was the most difficult life experiences I've ever had, but I don't regret having it because it made me the person yeah. I am today. Right. Yeah. So well, you and, part you of and I would thing. feel the same way, would feel exactly that way probably about the pain of separating from our religion. Right. Right. But so exactly. But, but some people uh, think that they can use spirituality in order to bypass their healing. And that's the danger we need to watch out for. Really? Is to, like to bypass? Using, the, oh, yeah. To I, not do the healing work. Uh, I so see like, what you mean. So, so they almost, so they almost use the spirituality like a bandaid in a sense, like a drug, like a spiritual like, right, drug. Right, 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 right. Yeah. It, it's like, it, it's like an escapism. So like I can, you know, go yeah. take my, go do my meditation thing or, or my crystals and all of that whenever I feel bad and start going into positive thinking and, and chanting mantras and affirmations, you know? And, and so it's never about bypassing suffering or the, the stuff that the icky stuff of life, it's actually right. found within that stuff. That's the key here. Yeah. It's, it's really no different. Cause when I came out of religion. I mean, one, one of the big tools that I use to kind of pull myself along. And I mean, it, I mean, it's good fuel for the fire, but like I was angry and, and anger can be like a good motivating force. Right. But, but I got lost in that too for, for quite a while. And there had to be a point where I had to go and feel the pain that the anger was masking. Yeah. So the, and, and I the would way... say that, that's similar, I guess, in, if somebody's using spirituality is kind of like that same to mask their pain. Exactly. So the, the way the way to the destination is through, not above or around uh, or some yeah. other way. Yeah. I, I want to take a talk about science a little here, too, because part of the framework that we come out of is like communities of science minded atheists tend to battle against these spiritual communities and so we view these things yes. as separate yeah um, when they're when they're not they're part they're two parts of the whole is what they are in my opinion <laughs> right and they i mean this is really something that that doesn't make any sense uh and, and part of it is a reaction to religion and a rightful reaction to religion that is true but, it is re a lot of it's reactionary at the moment yeah and and, and there are good points but I think science is one of the best ways to experience spirituality. And I imagine that a lot of scientists have these kinds of peak transcendent experiences. I mean, like mathematicians 
are like just going into some high level transcendent mind-blowing reality bending kind of stuff just just even watching some videos of this is beautiful the raw power of it i mean they're peering into the deep stuff of reality you know scientists are and i mean really this is the same thing i can imagine when somebody is really focused on say like a mathematical formula it must be almost meditative yeah yeah exactly and and again, spirituality is reality. So rationality is also a core component of spirituality. Rationality and wisdom and humanism, all of these things. And we need those to ground us yes. as we go about the spiritual journey. And this is a danger. This is a criticism of the atheist community of spiritual communities. And it's a very important criticism. And we often don't hear it enough because I hear a lot of people in spiritual communities really um, abusing science. Like yeah. they'll just kind of take yeah. whatever part of science that fits the argument they want to make. And this turns off a lot of scientific people and a lot of atheist people. And it's a big deal uh, because we need to respect uh, these things or we can get into delusion. We can start getting into dogma and religion when we say something science when it's been demonstrated to be unscientific. You know, so I can't just take some kind of experiment like the two slit experiment and just say like this proves my spiritual system here, you know, like <laughs> ma like science has authority to veto my beliefs, my cherished beliefs. Uh, and I have to allow myself to be wounded by science and to be take right. that ouch and say, yeah. oh, crap, I was wrong. Like, maybe I did get into some delusion here. Um, and I'm not – so scientists and this community, the atheist community, where they get into problems is they often claim scientific certainty when they're really basing – there are certain of their beliefs on presuppositions that are obvious to other people, like some Cartesian dualism and this this kind of uh, a lack of openness where they're not actually being open. They're not even being scientific when they dismiss this whole realm of conscious experiencing as just being totally subjective, made up in the mind of no consequence, right? And they're just dismissing all of the spiritual community's experiences or Buddhist right, inquiry right, as, yeah. as nothing and as just calling it new age. Let's just trash it all. I mean, that's not science, right? That's, that's more the same. Yeah. The danger overall is that either side can swing too far to their side, right? <laughs> it, 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 you, can, you can go extreme, you can go extreme science, extreme atheism, and you can go extreme spirituality, extreme religion kind of thing. And, and then you would completely ignore the other side entirely and think, that they're wrong. That's where you kind of get into dogmas on both sides a little bit. Yeah. And I think that really the power of science is to keep, to ground us, to keep us in check and in tune with yeah. reality. Yeah. I would and agree with that. like yeah. when we have a scientific level of certainty or confidence about something, that's gold, that's spiritual gold. I want that. And I want to hang on to that. And, you know, I can stake, put my stake in that and really live from that, that truth. And it will help me in my spiritual path. Uh, so I need to be open. I need to hold my beliefs loosely and not yeah. 
base my identity on my ideology. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Not base your identity that right because if you, if that gets torn away and your identity gets torn away, then you're back to square one again. Yeah, and and you and I had that experience, right? Yeah, exactly. So, and you don't want to go there too often. <laughs> I think that's partly why we're both open to being okay with not you know, having these definites, having these definite answers and things like that and, and holding onto those beliefs loosely. Cause it's like, well, you know, I tried, we, we tried holding onto those for our whole lives. We tried living by them and it, it lets you down, unfortunately. Right. Exactly. And I, I think science and rationality really help us, helps us too, because I see a lot of people in spiritual movements getting off into some really harmful beliefs and falling into manipulation. And there are people in these communities who are predatory and who don't have our best interests in mind, or they do, but that they're living true. in some kind of ignorance. Um, so one, for example, when I was a Christian, we had a big emphasis on learning to hear God's voice and, like finding out these signs and wonders and, and finding out like our life purpose and our path through discerning how God was speaking in our lives. And in, in spiritual, certain spiritualities, this can look like uh, seeking signs and omens or trying to, you know, find out your career choice through, through an astrological reading. You know, it's like, I don't know what right. to do. What, what do I do? Oh, go ask the spiritual guru, Right. Uh, go ask the teacher. And so the harm here is outsourcing our spirituality. We're literally outsourcing our spiritual capacity to something outside of ourselves. Instead of listening to ourselves within, we're, yeah, we're giving up, we're, we're essentially giving up our own spiritual authority, right? Exactly. And that's where the danger comes in. That's where there's room for manipulation or error and pain as a result. And people can get all kinds of ungrounded and start quitting their jobs and, you know, marrying whoever God told them to marry and yeah. like making yeah. all these rash decisions because of this. So like, you know, there are times when we might have these this kind of spiritual intuition and i've made decisions based off of these things and i'm not saying to ignore them but i'm saying in a way not to seek them out uh right. and not to have them be the focus i think these kinds of things which people might call synchronicities sometimes or you don't necessarily need to believe in that but yeah so some of these kinds of things tend to happen when we're not focused on them, but we're focused on our right. spiritual path, which yeah. means focusing on what makes me most alive, my passion, my inspiration, you know, my self-actualization, what makes me me, which is my spirituality. And as long as I'm on that path, it doesn't matter as much if I know what to do. It matters the kind of state of being that I'm inhabiting. And that's where the answer starts to flow and unfold as a result. I don't get all caught up in chasing after a God outside of myself and lose touch with the God that is myself, my yes. intuition, my my dream. And, and this includes reason and rationality, by the way. Yep. Like my go-to is, is reason, reason, critical thinking, decision-making. All that stuff is just as good as any spiritual vision you can have. Yeah, I would you agree know, with we that. We want to make the most... Oh, all of that. Uh, the point is, 
is really is really being in tune with yourself and and not just yourself with those around you with yes. loving others uh it, it, it's something that is deeply personal in a way so the spiritual journey uh, because it it's it's who you are it's your own subjective personal experience your interior world but it, it's also inseparable from from life and community and life in the world because your spiritual uh, path and purpose takes shape within the context of loving others and being connected to the rest of nature and being shaped by that too. Yeah, that's, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, that kind of goes back to what you said about uh, everything being connected. We're connected to everything. So it's, uh, so, so when, when we're, we're in tune with ourselves and then we become attuned to the things around us, then our spiritual life and those kind of synchronicities just start to like mesh and come about more often. Yeah. Or you could say synchronicities and, and maybe atheists might be more comfortable with like a sense of yeah. purpose and opportunities and alignment that are a result of your actions. Either way, uh, things start to flow and work in a way where you don't even need to seek these kinds of experiences and outside confirmations because yeah. you're living in that reality in that state no exactly uh, so I, I i personally didn't even believe in like synchronicities or in things happening for any particular reason until it was just like if uh it was just a couple of months ago when it's like i i it's sort of i don't know it was it was strange because i was putting on this presentation and I needed a certain amount of money for it. And within a week I had that amount of money and it was like, wait a minute, what happened? <laughs> like, it was just like, like, so coincidence, synchronicity, whatever you want to call it. it. It was just like the first time in my, that I'd ever actually noticed that, you know, what I was doing was in line with, with where, shall we say the universe or God or whatever you want to call it was taking me kind of thing. Right. And, and so this makes sense to me if I view reality as, as alive and interconnected, you know, it makes sense that one thing affects the other. Uh, for me, it's not, it's not this thing that people call law of attraction, which I find to be really, really problematic, super it individualistic. Can, it definitely can be. Yeah, I think so. Based on privilege. Maybe there's an aspect of it. This, I don't know, but uh, it tends to isolate the individual and take the individual out of the environment, again, as if we are separate from the rest of reality and as if there's no other influences mm, working see, yeah. on us. And also, it, it makes it makes difficult experiences bad and, and evil. It's all about this, this positivity, this positive thought yeah, movement, that's right. which yeah. I think is highly unspiritual. This is something I, I want to ramp on. If there's anything that's... <laughs> that's dangerous to spiritual experiencing and that will shut people down spiritually. It's focusing on positivity. Yeah. It's and, focusing and on ad, feeling good. Not admitting that the negative is an intrinsic aspect to living as well. <laughs> yes. And this is where Buddhism often sounds like the opposite of this law of attraction type teaching, uh, which is basically that you, you you create through your thoughts and draw good things or bad things because Buddhism like says suffering is, is fundamental yep. to reality yep. and yeah and this so this is a big thing maybe 
the most central point I've learned from my study of psychology is that most of our problems come from our rejection of painful experience. Oh, that's um, good. That's good. It's so true though, <laughs> yeah. is that we, we live dissociative experiences of life yeah. because we're trying to escape our pain, our trauma, our difficult relationships, and we're shutting ourselves down. And that's why we lose access to ourselves. That's why depression, anxiety disorders, all kinds of psychopathology emerges from our rejection of experience. And through rejecting our experience, we're rejecting a part of ourselves and shutting that yeah. down too. Yeah. So emotional health, I would define it as being able to have the full range of experience like difficult experiences yeah. and hard yeah. emotions like anger and rage yeah. and being able to really experience those things, but not be consumed by any of them. Yes. Well, it's like uh, to paraphrase Alan Watts, he basically like, I mean, he said we can't have more happiness without, you know, or, or more joy or more good feelings without having the equal uh, neg negative side of those things as well, because you don't know what one is without the other. Yeah, exactly. I'm very much like paraphr the, the, paraphrasing him there, but it's <laughs> yeah, and, and this is the this is the the duality that we see in 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 this state of consciousness. What people will call the material is where you can't understand what light is without darkness. You can't yes. understand what life yeah. is without death. It's part of a spectrum. And there's, there, exactly. they aren't, again, at a higher level, they are a unity. They're part of the same yeah. thing. Yeah. So you really can't have happiness without, su without suffering and pain. Um, and part of the, the one of the, the fundamentals of spirituality is being able to deal with the reality of suffering. Okay. Yeah. And that's how we affect love and, and, the spiritual transformation in the world, not just in our individual selves, because ultimately this thing is about everyone and everything. Spirituality is not ultimately an individual thing because we're not ultimately individual Yeah. Uh, in, in a very real sense. So suffering is this fundamental reality and the healing of spirituality is being okay with it and being able to, Yes. lean into those experiences and when we have suffering not judging it as bad and, and yep. needing to eliminate it or but that we've getting done curious, something wrong to deserve it <laughs> right it, it, it's like maybe there's something good here yeah maybe there's something that i need to address here and well, this I always, is I always like talk about movies and have, have you seen the movie collateral beauty with will smith I have not. I like Will Smith too. It, it is you, you need to watch because it's all about what you're talking about right there, basically, it, because it, it's uh, the main character is kind of living. He's living in this place of pain and suffering, and everyone else around him is as well. But like a lot of them don't even know it, right? So as he as he as he heals, as he works through his pain and suffering, everybody else around him heals as well. Yeah, and so this is really, for me, psychology and spirituality are really inseparable. And part of my work is is bridging these realms that are traditionally seen as separate. Um, well, actually, because... let's let's go, let's get into that here. Uh, how about uh, how about we we get into uh, how people can actually contact you, get a hold of you, and maybe work with you a little bit here. So go ahead and promote what you're doing. <laughs> 
Oh, great. Excellent. So I have a blog and a website. It's called lifeafterdogma.org. And you can read all kinds of articles. I have hundreds of pages of articles on there. I focus a lot on religious trauma and helping people transition out of religious systems and heal from that, but you know, also on all kinds of issues like the ones we're talking about. So you can find me on lifeafterdogma.org or Andrew Jasko, J-A-S-K-O on Twitter or Facebook. Email me, andrewjjasko at gmail.com. So, and I, I have to, all kinds of talks and interviews on that website as well. And you have some, do you have some live events that you're doing? Oh yeah. So I, I've put on a workshop called Reclaiming Sexuality from Religion. And that's on, it's just a huge topic Now there. that's a big subject all on its own. <laughs> that's, yeah, a, that's a huge, whole new podcast. <laughs> huge subject. Um, and, but I'm also going to be giving a talk at the International Association for Transpersonal Psychology Conference this year, which I'm pretty excited about. And that's just going to be broadly on the topic of healing religious trauma. So, uh, but I'm planning on doing more and more workshops and uh, I love talking. So if you want to have me talk on your program or thing or whatever, let me know. So you're always available to do this kind of stuff. Constantly available. Twenty four seven. Can't be you gotta play it sometimes, Andrew. <laughs> you gotta find that play time too. <laughs> balance, balance. Oh, darn. That's what <laughs> yeah, there's my spiritual work right there. Yeah, that's mine too right now. I'm I'm kind <laughs> of I'm I'm doing so much of this right now, it's like, oh <laughs> okay. What what yeah. what am I doing my free time i don't know anymore <laughs> right interesting concept yeah oh yeah and if i could just say uh maybe one or two things in closing so with spirituality i have i have this concept of aliveness and again being part of nature and being aligned with your nature and the rest of nature is being alive it's about life so there's i think we can kind of have a sense of when we are in tune with spirituality, like a spiritual thermometer is, do I have the sense of aliveness in my life? Am I in that zone where life just feels rich? I feel alive. And we can get a sense when we're out of tune, when we need to address something, when there's a sense of deadness or like things like, you know, depression, uh, are often symptoms of this. Not always, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of reasons for it. But a, a lot of people will talk about feeling like dead and like they're not connected to their sense of purpose and they're just going through day to day the routine and there's nothing to it. Um, so it, the sense of aliveness and cultivating that intentionally, what brings me joy? What brings me pleasure and inspiration? Like this thing is not a dreary thing. There's hard work element to it, but I think it's mostly fun and and joyous and awesome and liberating. Uh, so, well, it should really be. Or it, would, it wouldn't that. be worth doing if it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's not all about this. This whole self denial thing, which. Uh, a lot of spirituality got get caught up in, and there are practices of self denial that are helpful, but they get us at you know these deep, awesome, joyous, freeing, opening experiences. So, there you go. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> now I have to I have to say, where did you learn to speak so clearly overall? I, I mean, you you just kind of go and you flow. I'm always kind of jealous of that because for me it takes me <laughs> takes me a while to like get my thoughts together. I, I mean, I had a even in this even while we were talking here, I had a few ideas where it's like, oh, I'm I'm losing it, I'm losing it. Okay, no, forget it. I'm. <laughs> it's like I have to work that thought out for a while before. It's, so I think there's a couple of points where I'm just gonna yeah, I'm gonna cut that out. <laughs> but it, but yeah, mean, like you you just you just go like you're just like <laughs> and you're just there. I mean, I think part of my problem is I'm in the state too much of the time. <laughs> right. Trouble shutting it down. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, like I guess this is kind of my my flow state. My you could call it a spiritual gift or yeah. something that it, it's yeah. it's like art for me. It's I kind of tune into it and I have a way of tuning into this play space. Yeah. Um, same with writing where I'm like not being super intentional about it and it just kind of happens. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe I've studied a lot too, but yeah, it just it's just my thing. And there are things that are certainly not my thing too, like organizations and uh, project management. Like don't, don't make me do that, please. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll call it, we'll call it your gift. Your gifting is what we'll call it. And, uh, I thank you for the gift of your time today, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast and being a guest for me. It's been so. a pleasure. All right. So thank you, everybody. Uh, if you want to, I will have Andrew's information in the notes for this show on the thinkspiritual.ca website and whatever social media I happen to put this up on. And I just thank you all for listening. And as I always like to say at the end of every Think Spiritual episode, because I truly believe that if we change ourselves, that we absolutely will change our world. <laughs> <laughs>